Turn to your Bibles to Psalm 61. That's where we're going. You're going to see in verse 2. Open your Version app, and uh, we're going to take you there. Uh, we have some armbands for you. Um, the red one is just to protect people that, that need to be protected or are not quite comfortable with you being in their six-foot uh, comfort zone because that's what you're supposed to be doing, you rebels, okay? So that's what you're supposed to do. So for those people that are doing what they're supposed to do, <laughs> we have some red bracelets. Um, and then for those who are not so great at it, um, we have a yellow bracelet, <laughs> so that's like a, a fist bump and, a, and an elbow. And then for the, for the absolute rebels without a cause, we have a green armband. And that basically means bring it in, bro. Like, <laughs> put it there, pal, you know, whatever. And it's just so we'll know, because I got sick of doing this with, with people. You know, like, I don't know. And I have turkeyed so many people. You don't, you don't know what a turkey is. It means like you do this and then you do this and then you do this. And then finally you just get them back to this place and you, and so that's, that's where the turkey is just, you just cover them up. Stole that from a Trolls movie. All right. Psalm 61, Psalm 61, verse two, from the ends of the earth, the psalmist was having a bad moment. He felt like he was hanging off the edge of the world. And he also thought the world was probably flat, but let's just get over that. He said, from the ends of the earth, I call out to you whenever my heart is faint. That's my encouragement before we go anywhere else is that, that we, specifically as a church and individuals in a church, would learn how to call out to God, not call other people out, specifically in front of everyone on social media. Don't do that. Stop it. Okay? That's why we don't give away bumper stickers with New Hope on the back. We don't want people to know what you drive. Okay? That's a, that's a real thing. Okay? I've seen some of y'all on the street. and now I don't want people to know you go to church. <laughs> it's like, why we don't do that? It's like, I don't want some people to know that I go to church here. Like, get out of the bless you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I saw you on the third row Sunday. Hey! I was messing with you, making sure you didn't lose your attitude. <laughs> Man, who? who all right, so anyways, don't call people out. That's, that's not even biblical. In fact, Matthew 18 says when somebody offends you, you don't call them out in front of everybody. You go to them. In other words, you talk to people, not about them. I call out to God whenever my heart is faint. If you want to see something happen in this nation and in this world, in your lifetime then we need to become better at praying than we are pointing fingers. In other words, our hands need to look like this, not like this. I called out to you, Lord. And then he says, lead me. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. If you weren't here last Sunday, it's okay. I'm about to give you the whole sermon in one phrase. You ready? Number one today, to lead, I must learn to follow. To lead I must learn to follow. Is an absolute, is a biblical absolute. Let me show you, John chapter eight, verse 12. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Bible says, Jesus spoke to the people once more. He'd already been talking to him. It's a very long sermon, but he spoke once more and he emphatically addressed with an exclamation. I am. No matter, come on somebody, no matter what is, I am. That's what Jesus is saying. No matter what you see or what's taking place, I am. The same thing 
that God said to Moses through the burning bush, Jesus is exclaiming to Jewish people who would know what this means and probably not like it a whole lot. I am the light of the world. If, this is a huge if, what do I have to do to go to heaven? If, how can I be confident in who I am in Christ? If you follow me. You should not be confident in who you are in Christ if you are not following him. But if you are, you don't have to walk in darkness. Even if there's darkness all around you, like you can take another trail. You remember that movie, like it's two paths and one of them's like all well lit and the other one's like things hanging upside down out of trees and vines all over the place. And, and then everybody in the movie's like, let's go this way. Like, no. <laughs> The light, if you follow Jesus, you shed light in the midst of darkness. He becomes a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. So it doesn't matter where you're going as long as you know that he's there with you. Because you will have the light that leads to life. If somebody doesn't speak life into you, don't listen to it. If you're not speaking life into people, stop speaking. If this church doesn't provide life, I release you to go find the place where the breath of God is so evident that you can't help but receive the life that he has to offer. Life is why he came, hear me, and life should be why we live. But I can't lead. Until, let me say it this way, just to elaborate. This is literally the entire sermon from last week. If I want to lead as God created, if I want to lead my home, if I want to lead my spouse, if I want to lead my children, if I want to lead myself, my friends, my city, my office, whatever, my coworkers, if I want to lead as God created, and I told you last week, I can't share all of this, you have to go watch it, you have leadership in your DNA. Influence is in you because God created you. If the Imago Day is inside of you, then you have influence in you because you were created by the most influential being that ever has and ever will exist. And he put himself in you. So influence is there. You were created according to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and 28 to subdue and have dominion. Leadership is engraved in your genetic makeup from the day that God spoke you into existence. But if I'm going to lead as God created me, then I have to learn to follow as Jesus calls. And I have to stop worrying about the people that aren't and focus on the only one that I can actually control. I follow him and I become the leader that he created me to be. Matthew chapter 10, verse 38. Honestly, the frightening antithesis of the other statement. If you refuse to take up your cross, if you refuse to deny your emotional excess, if you refuse to operate in integrity, if you refuse to choose a response and just continue to react, to whatever's going on, 
If you refuse to take up your cross, your conviction, your burden, your temptation, your addiction, your anger, put whatever you want to right there. Whatever it is that's calling you or me to fall short of the glory of God. If you refuse to take that up and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. That's, wow, that wasn't very loving. So glad I invited my friend today for, can I remind you? No matter how you feel about that statement, even when you're not worthy, you are still worth it. Even when you're not worthy, heaven still gave the best that it had to offer because you were worth it. And he knows where you're going despite where you've been. And he wants you so badly to give it all to him, to fully surrender to follow him as he is calling so that you can lead as he created. There are some people that have this, uh, they have this sixth sense. And I don't mean they see dead people. It's not what I mean. And for all of you that get that joke, you shouldn't have watched that movie, you dirty, rotten sinner. Okay? I saw it on a commercial. No, I probably watched it. And I don't mean dead people. The sixth sense that I'm talking about today, it is the sense of direction. How many of you, you were just so blessed and you have that sense of direction? That's just you. Come on, there's a couple of you. You got it. You got it. You're like, yeah. Like, it doesn't matter how many times you spin me in a circle or blindfold me. You put a bat in my hand. I'm going to that tee and hitting that ball. It doesn't matter if it's dark or light or how many trees are around. I know where the sun is. I know where I'm going. Come on. So I have a sense of direction. How many of you know somebody that does not have the sense of direction? Come on. So me, you're like, how many of you are... You're, your significant other does not have a sense of direction. <laughs> Don't tell me north. Tell me what store to turn at. If that's you, come on, just wave at me. <laughs> See, I about lost my sense of direction just then. So my stepfather, he has an incredible sense of direction. I'm kind of in between. I'm yellow um, on the sense of direction thing. He, he, he grew up, and then I grew up with him in this place called the Dorcheat Bottoms. That's a, that is a, the, the overlying flats of a bayou in North Louisiana, you arrogant Cajuns. There are bayous above I-20. Everything above I-10. You're above I-10. All right, I'm sorry, I'm back. Dorcheat Bayou in North Louisiana, which is in Louisiana. I agree, I'm not Cajun, but I'm not Yankee, I'm Texarkanian, and I'm okay with it. I grew up on the Dorcheat Bayou. My stepfather would run me around in the Dorcheat Bottoms like he knew exactly where he was at all times. Sometimes he would leave me, and I knew exactly where I was at no time. And I could only hope that he would come back or shoot pretty soon so that I could hear where he was. And then I would always end up kind of close saying, what are you doing over here? I'm like, I don't know where I'm going, man. I just heard a shot and came back. You're trying to lose me in these woods. The reason he knew where he was going is because he was very familiar with where he had been. Okay. There's two things, and I can't take much time on them, but the one that you need to remember is I was always confident when I was with my daddy. It didn't matter where he took me. didn't matter how many pigs were just on the other side of that tree. It didn't matter what I saw that day or what we had to go through or over or around to get there or to get home. As long as I was with him, I was okay. It's when I got away from him that fear began to sit in. 
It's when I got away from, it's when I began to follow him at a distance instead of step by step. The other thing that we need to get from that, and this is where we're going really, is you can't take people to places that you're not going. You can't lead people to places that you've not been and ultimately become familiar with. You've got to become familiar. Now, some of you are like, well, then I can't lead. No, 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 no. You can always still invite somebody along in your journey. And iron still sharpens iron, and disciples are still called to make disciples. Let me give you this, point number two. Leading at home starts with leading myself. Leading at home. Whatever your home looks like, and I'm going to cover just about everybody. I love to ask this question to young ministers, younger ministers. I'm on the downhill to 40, but I'm claiming the young. My mama came up behind me not too long ago. We were at her house a couple of weeks ago, and she was looking at me. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, it's okay. My mama can get in my comfort zone. Social distance don't apply to my mama. <laughs> like, I'm just... She was all up in my, she's looking. I was like, what do you do? What's, she goes, Christopher. She's the only one calling me that, okay? <laughs> that my wife, you yeah, know, whatever. Um, she said, you're getting a lot of gray hairs right there. I was like, mind your business. Why y'all up in my stuff? It's your fault. You had me. Why'd you put them there? You know, it's like, and then I actually said what I say often. I don't care what color they turn as long as they don't turn loose. Come on, somebody. <laughs> they can turn purple if they want to. Go Tigers. Yeah, it doesn't matter to me. It's, Leading my home starts with, there are some times where my wife, and, uh, and uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's an anointing. Sometimes I'll just eat things. Uh, um, they were in the refrigerator. I'll just eat them. And sometimes I'll put them together. You know, like, that's what I would have done anyways. And so, like, I'm not the guy that, like, separates my food on the plate. I'm the guy that's like, yeah, you know, let's come together. Yeah, yeah. And so I just, and I just eat. I, I like food. And sometimes she'll look at what I'm eating in disgust. I'm like, what? She says, what are you eating? And I'll say, worry about yourself. But she's concerned because she knows that she has to sleep in the same room with me. <laughs> For any of you that don't get that, ask somebody. There are times that, there are times that we're at the gym uh, and uh, we drank the CrossFit Kool-Aid. I'm sorry, I did. Um, and I'm stuck. And so, but now I got her to go with me. So like, we do things together. Yay. She won't hunt with me. Praise God. Uh, so it's, I mean, Lord help us. I didn't mean to say that. Uh, but she'll go to CrossFit with me. And there are times that um, she'll be doing something. And I'll be like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? And she's like, mind your business across the room. Mind your business. I'm like, girl, you are my business. Look at your finger. I paid for this business. I'm covenanted to this business. And everybody always laughs because we fight because we're real people. And uh, sometimes in front of other people, sometimes we sell tickets. If you want to donate, you're welcome to. <laughs> what is the point of all of that? The point is everything I do reflects Jesus and her. Like I don't get to make decisions that don't impact her. And she doesn't get to make decisions that don't impact me. Why? Why? Because we are under and alongside one another's influence. Now, I'm using that as a very simple illustration, but that applies to anyone you have or are alongside or under the influence of. What we do, come on church, what we do is a reflection of Jesus and one another. I like to ask young ministers, 
Who's the most important person that you lead? Man, I like the ones that just got married. They're like, my bride. You know, I'm like, yeah, give it six months, stupid. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> wait till she wakes up and breathes in your face. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, maybe they just had a baby. Like, I, I remember first holding Adeline. I was like, my whole world's changed. I'll never be the same until she got to be five. I'm like, I'm about to slap this kid. <laughs> Holy Spirit, help me. So, so we say our children, and then they'll all have these different answers. You know, if they just became a staff member, some they're like, my students, most important person. And then I'll let them all answer they're wrong. You know, they're confidently wrong. <laughs> it's just always funny. And I say, okay, all of those are, are right, but they're not the most important person that you lead. And then I'll tell them, the most important person that you lead is you. Because if you don't lead yourself, you can't lead anybody else. Let me give you five little sub points. I'll give them to you quickly. You have to learn how to pray. You have to learn how to have conversations with God. And by the way, I want you to learn how to pray out of his promises and not your problems. I want, I want you to learn how to pray out of his word and not out of your worry. Although it is always okay, I just gave you a simple truth of casting your care upon him because he cares for you. He wants to hear from you when everything is wrong. He just doesn't want to only hear from you when everything is wrong. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to develop a prayer life. He wants to sit with you early in the morning, late at night, in the middle of the day, at lunch, whatever it looks like for you, you've got to learn how to have conversations with God. Well, I don't know how to do that. Pastor Ryan Post just wrote a great book. It's available on Amazon. It's called Healthy Prayer. It is about a prayer trellis, a system, a structure, a way to pray, a way to sit with Jesus. Some of it is very, very structured, and then some of it is just very spirit-filled. And you can have both and learning how to pray. I was listening, one of my favorite preachers, Pastor Brian Jarrett, if you want to write that down. He's one of my, he's one of my self-proclaimed spiritual fathers. It's a friend of a friend. He preaches at North Place Church in uh, Saxe, Texas. All you got to do is go to their website, click on messages, and click on the topic of prayer. And there's, there's so many messages. Listen, we are, if you don't know how to pray, it's because you're not trying to know how to pray. We live in a society that has the most access for learning that we've ever had. But we're not taking advantage of the access, and so we remain ignorant. As much access as we have... If you want to grow in prayer, you can. If you do not want to, then you will, will not. The second, before I spend too much more time on preaching a series in prayer, is worship. And again, this is just very basic. Prayer and worship. And I'm not talking about a set list. I'm talking about a lifestyle. I said it earlier. If you can't worship in a worship center, man, you're going to have a really hard time in the world. This is a great place to practice like, we celebrate when people lift their hands in church. I'm frustrated when they do this. Like, this is not a posture of worship. Nowhere in the Bible will you see, and they ran to Jesus with folded arms <laughs> and a downcast demeanor, looked down their nose into the eyes of the Savior because they really didn't want to be there, but they were willing to so they could check it off of their list and move on to what they really wanted to do that day. It's not there. You're not going to find that. 
They worship. They express their worship. And, and I want to say that I am the guy, like, I don't listen to a whole lot of secular music, okay? But I would be a hypocrite to tell you to stop listening to anything that's not worship music. In other words, I can't tell you not to listen to PG-13 music when I watch PG-13 movies, and you need to stop doing that to other people, because that's hypocritical. Amen. Thank you. All right, so, it's, so but I can say this, what you put in will come out. At whatever level. The, body, the Bible says the eyes are the lamp unto the body. And if evil goes in these eyes, if evil goes in these ears, then evil goes into this heart and ultimately out of this mouth and in these hands and in my actions. You've got to learn how to worship God in the private place so that you can live for him in the public place. Because what you do in public is really just a reflection of who you are in private. The enemy knows who you are. And you've got to learn how to make worship a lifestyle. It's not in your notes, but Romans 12, 1. In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto him. This is true and proper worship. Number three, learn. Learn. I, I wanted to just say, like, read the Bible. But you need to learn the Bible. Now, you can learn by reading a lot. And I recommend. I recommend having, like, a daily reading regimen. And we're going to do a week of fasting and prayer in August as we go back into whatever school looks like. Jesus, um, you know, we're going to do that for our teachers who are going to have to be and, and do things they've never had to be and do before. And stay-at-home moms, y'all pray for me. Who are, I'm not a stay-at-home mom, but I have one. And, so, and uh, yeah, so it's just tough by the time you get home. And she's been trying to teach herself how to do math all day. <laughs> try to hand that off to me. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I don't know why they put letters in this thing, but I don't know how I learned it. So anyways, learn, read God's word. Revelation chapter one gives us a really great tip of how we learn God's word. The Bible says, read aloud. Blessed is he who reads aloud this word, like out loud. So you can play somebody else reading it and just read it along. You can do daily devotionals. We give you one every week. I hope you read this past week's. It's called Learning to Lead Like Jesus. If you didn't read it, you need to read it. There are some powerful, powerful truths in that study. Version Bible app. Again, we have so much access. I just don't know what to read. I, I don't know really where to start. Did you know that Facebook has never had to put out an instructional video for people to learn how to use it? And yet when it comes to the Word of God, we make every excuse in our un holy nature to stay out of this thing. You'll read 27 text messages in five minutes and respond to at least most of them, but we ain't picked up the Bible in the last three months. Come on, we read posts, we read newspapers. Some of y'all, I don't read newspapers. Like, I don't like them laying in my driveway. I wish they quit throwing that junk out for me to have to pick up after my wife runs over it all week long. It's smushed into the concrete, I can't get it up. I don't know why they keep doing that, it makes me mad. It's littering, stop littering in my driveway. But we learn. We have to learn. Listen, you can't pray his promises if you're not reading them. You can't, you can't speak his word if you're not learning it. So do more than just read. Learn. I'm going to come back to this one so I won't spend much time on it, but serve. Serve. How you serve is a reflection of whether you're saved. I'm telling you. Matthew chapter 25, we'll say it this way. You will be judged, not just on whether you receive salvation, 
But you will also, we will also be judged on what we did with the salvation that we received. See, I always thought just get saved and go to heaven. Praise God for that. No, no, no. Get saved, receive salvation, and serve as heaven on earth. Serve as light in the darkness. Serve as the answer amongst the issues. And finally, give. Give. Oh, I know he was going to money. Well, why would I not tell you that it's not okay to rob God? When I believe that personally and practice it myself, why would I not share my conviction with you in regards to the first fruit of your finances, the thing that we as a culture put the most faith in? Yeah, I know, love and money is not, is not evil. It's the root of all evil, okay? It's way worse. Putting your security and, and, and your substance in, in just your finances. Like I'm, I'm trying to help you get free of what the whole world is serving. There's no more coins in circulation. <laughs> Who cares? Last time I checked, I'm serving with heaven's currency anyways. Give me poverty or give me riches. Just give me Jesus. It don't matter to me. Like, I love to have nice things. I grew up with them. But if God takes everything, will I end up like Job and serve him anyway? Or his friends who tell him to forsake God and die? See, giving is a heart issue. In other words, you show me your bank account and I'll show you what you care about. You show me what you invest your finances in, and I'll show you how much faith you have. Because where your treasure is, there your heart. So I'm not telling you this for you to be condemned or so that we can do more stuff. Like God's going to use people to give, whether it's you or not. If he doesn't use you, use somebody else. I'm just sharing this with you because I want you to be able to be a part of what God's building. Number three, we got to lead by example. We got to lead by example. First Timothy chapter three. It says an overseer, this whole chapter is about overseers. Verse two, three, and four. An overseer must manage his own household well with all dignity. Let me just say, I know that your house, I know that everybody's household looks a little bit differently. So let me start young and move my way up. Um, leading your home Leading and being led has a look. It looks like something. In other words, Jesus could have come down here and forced the world into submission, but he didn't. Jesus left his throne in heaven, although he could have come in any form that he wanted to, and he decided to win the world through humility and servanthood. That is who he is. So being disrespectful to your parents, that doesn't look like Jesus. Not being able to say yes ma'am, no ma'am, yes sir and no sir, to your employer by position, to your authority in life, not being able to maintain your honor even when somebody else is not being honorable. See, leading for Jesus and being led by Jesus, it looks like something. Being a bad roommate, 
being the friend that people are just barely able to tolerate. (laughs) My bad, I done got personal. (laughs) It went very quiet. Being a, look now I'm sarcastic and smart aleck with the best of them. But if that's all people ever hear you say, then like a madman throwing firebrands and deadly arrows as a man who deceives his neighbor and says, I was only joking. That scripture cut me to the core. Being an emotional basket case, letting everybody know how you feel, whether they ask for it or not. (laughs) Have I got you yet? (laughs) Being self-serving instead of others serving. Helping around the house. Ought to have been some hankies waving. (laughs) Why do the yard? Okay, good for you. Congratulations, you're not a lazy bum, just let your junk grow up, everybody have to stare at. Congrats. Welcome to adulthood. (laughs) Now go inside and help your wife. Spending time with your children, not just money. See, they don't care about your money. Had an opportunity to go to Africa for the past two years, not this year, but before. And I saw children with nothing feel like they had everything as long as their mama and their daddy were there. They don't need your money. They need your investment, your time. They don't want to hear me pray. They want to hear you pray. They don't want to see me lead by example. They want to see you lead by example. And the best example that you can set is how to be a son and a daughter than a husband and a wife. Training them, not just telling them. Number four, saved people serve people. It's what we do. I told you I'd come back to it. Everybody's home looks a little bit different. I wrote this in my notes this morning. Your greatest witness, the greatest example that you can set is to be content in Christ and considerate of others over yourself. That's the greatest witness that you have. So if you're not married, your singleness in Jesus is your most important witness because anybody can be happy for a season when they think they found their soulmate. Anybody. But to be single, content in Christ and considerate of others when you don't even know if he'll ever send you anybody. To be single and satisfied with your Savior and your Savior alone. You know what's wrong with most marriages? We put the pressure of the Holy Spirit on our spouse. We expected a soulmate to fill the void that only a savior can fill. We expect a husband or a wife to fill the void that only a heavenly father and a son of God can fill. We cannot put spirit-filled pressure on other people. When we do that, they will fail us. Don't you come to this church for me. You come to this church for Jesus. 
Don't you serve at this church because I convinced you. Serve because the Holy Spirit's called you. Your singleness in Christ is the loudest message in a generation that has made a soulmate an idol. And if you're married, then it's your marriage. There is no greater witness and testimony of your relationship with Jesus than your relationship with your spouse. So if you want to know how you stand with your Savior, just look at that one because it's a reflection. Saved people serve people. Give you three scriptures, we'll close. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Even though I'm a free man with no master. This is Paul. I have a master. His name is Jesus and Megan. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people. You know why churches are shrinking? Because they're not reaching the lost. Churches shrink because they're selfish. And when society recognizes selfish within the sanctuary, they just go to more places that are more fun with other selfish people. Don't use your freedom for this reason. I became a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to live in freedom, as Ashley so eloquently told us earlier in the middle of the song, which is, by the way, a very gifted thing to be able to do. Listen to a click track, follow the song, and tell you things that the Holy Spirit's told her. It's powerful. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't you dare use your salvation to serve yourself. Don't you dare use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. In other words, it's not a license to sin. Well, well, everybody messes up, preacher. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Everybody does mess up. And then Jesus died for it. And if he wanted you to stay dead in your sin, then he could have stayed dead in that tomb. But on the third day, he was resurrected from the dead so that you could have life and have it in abundance. So when you walk out of your sin, you're resurrected, born again, and you become like him. Never again is it okay to be a slave to sin. You are now a slave to righteousness. Becoming like him every day. Not to use your freedom on yourself, but what is it? To serve one another in love. Let me give you one more apostle. First Peter chapter 2, verse 16. It's the only verse in English Standard Version on the day. Peter says, live as people who are free. Remember, this is the guy who denied Jesus to a little girl. This is the guy who was corrected by Paul for eating meat in front of some people and acting like a hypocrite in front of other people. Peter says, hey, I've learned some valuable lessons through this journey with Jesus. Live as people who are free. Do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Let that simmer. Do not use your freedom as an excuse to continue to live in bondage. Instead, live as servants of God because saved people serve people. It means you serve your Savior no matter your circumstance. 
It means you serve your Savior no matter what's going on in society. It means you serve. I'm about to help or hurt somebody. I'm not sure. But you serve your spouse over yourself because your marriage is a reflection of his marriage to you. It means you serve your children even when they deserve to be slapped. And you laugh because there was just this moment just on the way here. Maybe yesterday, maybe you made it 24 hours. You serve them. You don't just, anybody can tell a kid what to do. Come on, it takes a son and a daughter of God to train a child in the way they should go. You serve. And when you may say, I don't have any children, well then serve somebody else's because we live in a fatherless generation. We have children in this church that don't know their parents, that don't know their biological, and they need to see you living for Jesus because you want to, not because you have to. They need spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers to stand in the gap and understand that you don't have to have the same blood when we've all been bought by the same blood. And you can be who God called you to be for people that need you to be like Him. Serving. Be your brother's keeper. Serve one another. Serve the body of Christ. Serve this city. Serve this nation. Well, they don't deserve it. Neither did you. Neither do I. We weren't worthy, but we're worth it. Saved people. Serve people. Will you bow your head, close your eyes with me? Father, I pray for every follower of Jesus in this room. Every person in this place right now. I pray that you would help us to examine who we're living for. I pray that you would help us to examine our prayer life. Pray that you would help us to examine our worship. God, may we look at our schedule, our daily routine. And ask the question, where is Jesus in my schedule? Where is Jesus in my routine? Where is time with my Savior? Where do I invest in the people that God has put directly in my path? What can I do differently? What can I do that looks more like Him? How can I serve? Not just at church, but certainly as the church. How can I serve? God, is there an area of my life I'm not giving? Is it my treasure? Is it my finances? Is it my time? Is it my ability? Do I think that you've gifted me just so I could spend on myself and get things? God, do you have everything? Are you just my savior or are you my Lord? If you're in the room today, if you're watching online, I believe the most important decision that you can make is to give your life to Jesus. Not to just get saved, but to give your life to Jesus. To receive salvation, to receive forgiveness, to become confident of who you are in Christ. God wants you to know that you know him and he wants you to be confident of who you are in him. 
If you need to commit or recommit your life to Jesus right now, today, if you need to receive forgiveness today, for the first time or the first time in a long time, we're going to pray with you in 10 seconds. And if that's you, I want to invite you to just open your hands right where you are, wherever you're listening from, if you're in the room, if you're watching online, live or later, just open your hands like God is handing you a gift because he has given you his only begotten son that you have to receive. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray with us right now to confess out loud with your mouth because that is the beginning of your journey with Jesus. Come on, church, I want to ask you to support. Let's all pray together. Say this with me. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short, where I've sinned, where I get distracted, angry, where I respond unlike you. I believe you gave your life You were raised from the dead so that I could live. Make me new. Take my life. Make it yours. I will follow you with all of my heart. Use me to serve others. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody give God praise today.